Welcome to the teaching ministry of Reverend JFK Mensa, a seasoned Bible teacher with over 40 years of ministry experience. He is a pastor, a church planter, a missionary, and an international conference speaker. He is passionate about making Christ-like disciples worldwide. JFK Mensa is the General Overseer of Great Commission Church International. May you be transformed as you listen to the Word of God. Once again, we are here to continue with our series on marriage. Shall we just have a quick word of prayer before we move on? Our Heavenly Father, it is clear to us from the scriptures that you instituted marriage and therefore you have the last word on marriage we pray that through this series on marriage you will put our homes in order you will prepare those entering marriage and you will heal our homes in the name of Jesus Amen okay so, this is our third session in the series on marriage, Christian marriage. In the first uh, message, I handled the meaning of Christian marriage. I handled the importance and purpose of Christian marriage. And I took a look at the foundations for Christian marriage. Last week, we looked very quickly at singlehood. Secondly, we took a look at the basic differences between men and women, male and female. And thirdly, we looked at how to choose a marriage partner. Today, I want to attack the topic, what areas should I consider before I enter marriage? Now, this is my 39th year of marriage. I have five children. I have five grandchildren. And I have been a best man for many weddings. I have also, as a pastor, counseled a lot of married married couples and I have 
even buried married couples. I am going to give you a list of the 15 things I wish somebody had set me aside to teach me and explain to me before entering marriage. This list is not exhaustive. I could have made it 50. But it will be too much to be useful. But I could also have made it two. And it will be too small a list to be useful. I have chosen the 15 critical topics every marriage counselor all over the world should consider when you are counseling people for marriage before they say I do, I will. Now here is the list. I am aware I will not be able to finish explaining each of these topics. So I want to give you the list of 15. If you have a notebook, just write them down. And then you can Google them and check on them. But I will do my best to explain them one by one until our time is gone. So number one, family altar. Family altar. Number two, family calling. Family calling. Number three, family origins and culture. Family origins. Number four, family planning and parenting. Family planning and parenting. Number five, career and profession in marriage. Career and profession in marriage. Number six, character in marriage. Character in marriage. Number seven, communication and friendship in marriage. Communication and friendship in marriage. Number eight. Conflict resolution in marriage. Conflict resolution in marriage. Number nine. Challenges in marriage. Challenges in marriage. 
challenges in marriage. Number 10. In-laws and friends in marriage. In-laws and friends in marriage. Number 11. Love in marriage. Love and submission in marriage. Number 12. Money and financial decisions in marriage. Money and financial decisions in marriage. Number 13. Sex in marriage. Sex in marriage. Number 14. Power struggle in marriage. Power struggle. You can say power struggle and leadership in marriage. And then number 15. Just put Satan in marriage. Satan in marriage. Okay? So, I'm going to spend the next 30 or so minutes trying to explain what you should do about these topics. There are some people who don't have the advantage of marriage counseling before they enter marriage. Some also have counselors who are not able to treat all these topics. And yet others too, they treat the topics but leave certain areas out. And I want this message to serve as the examination guideline for you. The tips you need before you wear a marriage ring. Many people, during the time of courtship, are so interested in love and sex. And they are like, when we get married, how I'm going to, uh, how I'm going to, uh, you, you wait till we get married. And when, and, and they don't think and talk about anything else. Meanwhile, sex is not the most important thing in marriage. Otherwise, married couples would not get out of their bedrooms. So, here we go. Number one, the family altar. God must be the center of your home. Jesus Christ must be Lord of the lives of both of you separately and together as a team. In Matthew chapter 18, verses 19 and 20, the Bible says that if two 
of you shall agree as touching anything. It will be done for them by my Father who is in heaven. Again, I tell you that if two of you on earth agree about anything you ask for, it will be done for you by my Father in heaven. For where two or three come together in my name, there am I with them. This is one of the most powerful promises in the whole Bible. When you marry, you have the opportunity to fulfill this promise. Two of you can agree as touching the things you need and storm heaven together with your wife. The Bible takes it for granted that wives, a wife and husband will pray. So it says in 1 Corinthians 7 verse 4 and 5 that the wife should not hide herself from the husband except by agreement when they want to fast and pray. 1 Peter 3 7 says, Husbands, live with your wives according to knowledge because they are the weaker vessel. Give them honor because they are joint heirs of eternal life. Lest your prayers be hindered. And he uses a Greek word, ek kopto. Ek kopto. Kopto means to cut. Ek means out. So ek kopto means your prayers will be cut out. If there is disagreement between husband and wife. So this means that the scriptures take it for granted that you will pray. Job chapter 1 verse 5. Job was praying for his children every day. And even though Isaac's wife, Rebekah, was barren for 20 years. When the husband prayed for her, she conceived and bore twins. Family altar. Don't joke with your family altar. Any couple who is too busy to pray, then you are too busy to stay undivorced. If you love your marriage, the family that prays together, stays together. Find time. Even when the children come and you are more than just husband and wife, Find time to pray as husband and wife. Find time to pray with your household. COVID-19 has taught a lot of people sense. Many of the things we were rushing out of the house to do can be done. Even if you don't rush out. And if you die, the work continues. So people, Christians who tell me, I'm too busy. I can't pray with my wife. What are you talking about? You are too busy for the devil. And he will give you some work to do. Number two. Family calling. Every child of God has a distinct call of God upon his life. Ephesians chapter 2 verse 10 says... For we are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus, for good works, which God prepared beforehand, that we should walk in them. 
We are not saved by good works. But we are saved for good works. Our salvation is by grace. It is free of charge. And by faith. So that no one will boast. But we are saved for good works. And these good works form the call of God upon your life. It's individual for the husband and for the wife. But when the two are clear about what is God's call, then when you come together, you can figure out what is God's call for your family. Because Noah's house built the ark. David's house provided all the kings of Israel and Judah. Aaron's house provided all the priests. Jesus himself said that in John 4.34, My food is to do the will of him who sent me and finish his work. John chapter 9 verse 4, Jesus said, I must work the works of him who sent me while it is day. Night comes when no man can work. And in John 17 verse 4, Jesus said, Father, I have glorified you on earth by finishing the work you gave me to do. Paul, in Acts chapter 20 verse 22 to 24, he said, every city I go to, the Spirit witnesses to me that bonds, afflictions, and sufferings are waiting for me. But none of these things move me. Neither do I count my life as dear to myself, save that I should finish the work for which the Lord called me. Acts 26, 19 and 20, Paul said before King Agrippa, I was not disobedient to the heavenly vision. So in 2 Timothy 4, 7 and 8, Paul said, I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. And to me now is laid the, up the crown of righteousness. Even if you never marry, you have God's call upon your life. And when you marry, the two of you are supposed to help one another to fulfill a joint call and individual call when you stand separately in the presence of God on that great day. You came to this life because God sent you. And you must be aware of that as a couple. I have told my daughters, don't marry any man who does not know God's call upon his life. Because if somebody is going nowhere, both of you will never arrive. Number three. Family origins. Family origins and culture. You need to know the parents, the siblings, and the family from which your husband or wife-to-be is coming. 
It is in your own interest because your wife will finally look like a mother and grandmother. Your husband will finally look like the father and grandfather. Ezekiel chapter 16 verse 44 says, The proverb, as the mother, so the daughter. John chapter 5 verse 19 says the son can of himself do nothing but what he sees the father doing. Jesus said in John chapter 8 from verse 42, he says, if Abraham were your father, you would do what Abraham did. Every son behaves like the father. So it is in your own interest to know those origins. But in addition to that comes the culture of where your spouse is coming. You see, these days there are cross-cultural, cross-tribal, cross-national, cross continental cross global marriages you see chinese are marrying aves from ghana now what happens is you have to understand the culture of the person you are marrying otherwise you are in for trouble i listen to a, a, a broadcast of a Kenyan who married a Canadian woman. And he was saying that, ah, whenever visitors come, my wife will see the visitor off to the door and stop. And I have to take the people to our, the car. In Kenya, we don't do that. It's very rude. You have to walk the visitor to the car. Then, after some years, he went with the wife to her home in Canada. And the place was so cold. Nobody sees a visitor of beyond the door. Because when you open your door, you are met with the cold. So you let the visitor rush in the cold to his car and off. You don't see a visitor off to the car. And he said, wow. This is why my wife behaves that way. It's a basic problem. When you are crossing one culture to another culture to marry, you must understand that you are traveling into a new territory. Even if the person is an Ashanti, but was born and bred in London, the person may be called Ashantiwa, but the person is British at heart and in culture. When you marry that person, don't expect that your home village where the toilet is a log and people balance themselves on it uh, in order to, you know, free themselves. That when she comes, she will go there and do the same easily. She can't. She is a shanty, but she has not grown up in a village. And you have to understand that. Then there is the issue of Family planning and parenting. 
my heart grieves that today Christian husbands and wives are causing abortion. You are married. Your wife is pregnant. And you, the Christian, you threaten the person to go and abort it because you are not ready for a child. What do you mean? Do children come from trees? Do people drink water and become pregnant? That's not true. You see, God creates human beings. All the talk scientists and medical people are saying that a, a person is not a human being until after 12 weeks of being in the womb. It's not true. Biblically, Jeremiah chapter 1 verse 5. God told Jeremiah, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you came out of your mother's womb, I sanctified you and ordained you a prophet to the nations. In John chapter 1 verse 6, the Bible says there was a man sent from God whose name was John. And Luke chapter 1 verse 15 says that the child will be filled with the Holy Spirit from his mother's womb. So when Mary greeted Elizabeth, she said, when your voice reached my ears, the baby leaped in my womb. A human being is sent on this earth by God. We are not chimpanzees, grown chimpanzees. If you are a Christian, you cannot believe in the evolution theory. The two do not match. Because if evolution is true, the Bible is wrong. And if the Bible is true, then the theory of evolution as is being placarded is wrong. Therefore, you need to understand this. That before you marry, seek the face of God. John chapter 16 verse 13 says that the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of truth, He will guide you into all truth. He will not speak of Himself. What He hears, that shall He speak. He will show you things to come. 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 If you are a born again spirit filled Christian, before you marry, you need to seek the Lord's face about how many children He wants you to have. Because if you decide, if you go before the Lord and the man has two children, and God reveals to the woman to two children. When you come together and compare notes, you know that God wants you to have two children. Then, when you finish having the two children, you can use accepted godly family planning methods. But be careful. There is a man in the Bible called Ona. In Genesis chapter 38. And he had a family planning method called withdrawal. And whenever he was sleeping with his brother's wife, he withdrew and spilled the semen. And 
Genesis chapter 38 verse 10 says, The act was wicked, so God killed him. Are you reading it? Genesis chapter 38 verse 10. Verse 10. What he did was wicked in the Lord's sight. So he put him to death also. Okay, then read from verse 9. Okay, 8 to 10. Just to make the point. We go back to verse 8. Yes. Then Judah said to Onan, Lie with your brother's wife and fulfill your duty to her as a brother-in-law to produce offspring for your brother. But Onan knew that the offspring would not be his. So whenever he lay with his brother's wife, he spilled his semen on the ground to keep from producing offspring for his brother. What he did was wicked in the Lord's sight. So he put him to death also. So God comes to your bedroom. God inspects your family planning method. If he sees that it's wicked, he has his own way of dealing with you. Even if he doesn't do it in this life, be sure God's righteous judgment is inescapable. You will answer him for it. So better plan with God before you plan with any method. You must remember that the privilege of bringing forth children has not been given to even angels. And after death, there is no marriage for anybody, those going to hell and those going to heaven. The only place where you can have children is in this life. Now, parenting is a big topic. We shall come, come to it. But remember that family planning and parenting are things you should discuss vigorously. Now, that brings me to number five. We want to look at character in marriage. You don't marry beauty. You don't marry a man's money. Nobody marries handsomeness or degrees. You marry character. Because after the beauty is gone, character remains. After the money is gone, character remains. After the degrees and titles are gone, character remains. You sleep with character in bed. You wake up with character in the house. If you don't work on character before entering marriage, that is the end. It is wrong to think that when you marry, you can change a person. Last week, I spent some time on talking about the basic differences between men and women. It's funny. I also thought I could change my wife when we got married. It doesn't happen. It cannot happen. Because a woman is a woman. She is not a man. A man is a man. He is not a woman. And the two don't mix. Because from Genesis chapter 1 verse 27, he who made them, made them male and female. Therefore, the Bible is very clear. But not only that, we have our personalities 
Some people are introverts. Meaning that they get their strength from being alone. When they come among people, they use a lot of energy and become weaker. But others are extroverts. They get their energy and strength from being among people. Greeting people with their left hand, their right hand, their left foot, their right foot, and you know, their chest. You see that hey, hey, people are saying hi. Upon a way, they say, hey, hello, hey, come on, hey, how are you? Hey, tell me, hey. You see that some people are like, they get their energy from being among a lot of people. When they are alone, you see that they must have some music. Because they fear to be alone. When they are alone, they lose energy. You see? So we have extroverts, we have introverts. Now, it doesn't mean Christ-likeness is not the goal of the Christian. Romans 8.29 is very clear. That those whom God foreknew, he predestined that we should be conformed to the image of his son. So that Jesus will be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. So we expect husband and wife to be changing, to becoming more and more Christ-like. By the power of the Holy Spirit. To bear the fruit of the Spirit together and change. But it means at the time of marriage... You need to watch habits. Somebody has said that a habit is any trait which even when you fight it and remove the edge, a bit is left. You see? So, one day you visited your wife. Anyway, my wife gave me this story so I can be free to use it. Said one of her aunties uh, got up at 12 noon from her sleep. And the father took a gun and shot. And people rushed to the house. Say, oh, what is happening? Why are you shooting a gun? He said, my daughter slept from last night. And it's 12 before she is waking up. So if you are going to marry such a girl, prepare your mind. Because she wakes up at 12 noon. That's when her day begins. And you went to the house to catch her because God wants you to know in advance. If you don't respect it, okay, go ahead, you can handle it. It's the same with your husband-to-be. You are talking, and something small happens, then pie, he slaps you. Huh? He hasn't married you, and he is slapping you. What is that? The Holy Spirit is giving you a tip-off. He's telling you that prepare your ears for slaps. You see? So, I can't say more than that. Character is built over time. Therefore, even if a change will come, it takes something beyond you. You know, have you ever read Genesis 4-7? God told Cain, don't kill your brother. But he went ahead in verse 8 and killed him. (laughs) So, our human life is such that, even if God comes from heaven, 
to tell you don't do something and you are filled with that thing, you do it. You do it. You do it. Now, that brings me to working on um, after character comes career. Yes, career and profession. Your career, your profession affects your marriage. I had a lady who was in our house and she said, for me, the way I see you pastors, I will never marry a pastor. And she got married to a young man who was a teacher. And the person became called by God to become a pastor. When he, when he became a pastor, she died. So she's, she's been buried. And the pastor has married a new woman now. So your career, your profession, you need to talk about it. If you are a woman who always wants to have your husband around you, rubbing your, your, you with his back, and hey, your husband should be around, don't marry a seaman. Because after maritime university, he goes to sea. Six months, four months, you don't see him. And so when other people at your workplace open car doors for you and say, oh, you are looking dashing. Hey, city. Hey. Then, <laughs> and before you know what, you are sleeping around. Because you are somebody whose husband must be around always. Please, in working out the marriage, talk about career. Talk about profession. If your husband is a mechanic at the wayside, then be prepared to wash greasy, dirty shorts and pairs of trousers after he has laid under car and used engine, dirty engine oil. You must get yourself ready for that. Don't say, this is the type of dirty. You knew before you married him that that was his profession. And career must be discussed. Because when somebody, I read uh, statistics that the surgeons in the United States have the most divorces. Why? Because for one surgical case, they can be on like 11 hours. And they leave home in the morning. And before you know what, it's another day. And you know, so you can't predict your husband. Therefore, it affects the marriage. And when he comes back, after 11 hours in the surgery, he is tired. And he wants rest. And he wants to think. And he wants himself. And he's come. And yeah, and, yeah, and you, have you noticed that there is a, a dead mouse in the kitchen? And oh, there, oh, you know, he, he has just come back from opening a human being's heart and he, he, he doesn't have a smile for that. He doesn't have time for dead rats. So because if you are going to marry, <coughs> career and profession must be discussed. And if any of you thinks you have been called to change your career, discuss it. Then comes the whole issue of uh, communication and friendship in marriage. 
Okay, you got married, but you don't like talking. You are a man who, when you come back from work, and your wife says, Oh, honey, can we talk? Oh, so a man can't rest in this house. I've just come back from work. And, uh, oh, then dinner is over. Honey, can we talk? Oh, so the food cannot rest in my stomach in this house. Oh, my own house. Then it's time for bed. And honey, can we talk? Oh, so you can't sleep in your own house. So this house, I can't sleep. Then you wake up in the morning. Say, honey, can we talk? Oh, can't you see that I'm getting late for work? Can't you see? So you make yourself unavailable for communication because you don't talk. You don't like talking. Then don't marry. That's it. Now, communication is the oil of marriage. Many people ask me, what do I talk about? Talk about your past. Things you were doing which your wife was not there, talk about it. Your husband didn't know which secondary school you attended and how, talk about past. Then, talk about the present. Things that you do when he is not around. And things that he does when you are not around. Talk about the future. What are your plans for the future? Talk about them. Talk about relatives and plans about them. Talk about church. There are a lot of things. Talk about Bible, your quiet time. Talk. Talk. One wife said, my husband, he asked him, uh, she asked him, won't you even grant? At least grant and say that. Mm, just sit there like a zombie. You know? So, communication removes misunderstanding. It helps the, your spouse to know exactly where you are coming from, where you are at, and where you are going. One day, I was counseling a lady, and she told me about the number of abortions she had. And I said, have you told your husband? And she said, oh, he doesn't even care. He doesn't know. He has never been interested. You are with a woman. You have married. And you don't care whether she has had an abortion or not in life. What is that? You see? You need to build a definite communication bridge. Find time for one another. Make time for one another. You know, one of this thing, I was healed myself because being a pastor, Monday to Monday, there's always something to do. And I'm so passionate about my Bible, so passionate about evangelism, disciple making. Then I read Poyongi Cho's book. And he was saying that in Korea, when your mother-in-law comes to your house angry, then you are losing your wife. So one day his mother-in-law visited him and said, Did you marry my daughter just to leave her like that? And he said, How? 
I provided rice. I paid the rent. I, I give electricity bills. And she is well cared for. What is her problem? And the mother-in-law said, Did you marry a piece of wood or a machine? You married a human being. Can't you see your wife is dying inside? If you don't change your attitude towards the lady, I'm collecting her from you. He said he trembled. And he went and prayed. And the Holy Spirit said, Set a day aside for your wife. And so he started and gave the wife Mondays. So the wife said, Okay, this Monday we are going to the market. <laughs> and he will carry the basket. And here is the pastor of the biggest church in Korea carrying the wife's basket. And they will go to the market. She will buy groceries, put inside. And he felt so bad. The wife came back alive. Do you know what? Paul Yonggi Cho's wife has been dead now over 20 years. He is still alive. Th that's it. Anyway, let's go on. Conflicts in marriage. Because you have been bred in different cultures, different homes, you have different personalities, different character, different everything, there will by all means be disagreements. You need to set the rules first before entering the marriage. Put the rules down. That, number one, we shall not quarrel before the children. Number two, when you are angry, make sure you don't insult me. When I'm also angry, I make sure I don't insult you. Number three, whenever the two of us are angry, let's do it in our bedroom. And when we come outside, we can look good. Number four, when I'm talking, keep quiet. When you are talking, also keep quiet. And let's listen to one another. Number five, our case will not go out to a third person unless by agreement. You put down your rules, ground rules, so that when the disagreements come, before you enter the marriage, follow the rules. When you do that, then you enter into the marriage, you will see that conflict resolution will be easy. But if one person flies off and nobody can control, you do that, then when you are in your marriage, Every time there will be people settling disputes as you throw chairs and tables at one another and slap one another until finally uh, the elder, one elder, uh, the child, they were quarreling, he was quarreling with the wife and the child too said something. So he started chasing the child and he ran faster than the father. So the father picked a knife and threw it after him and he pierced the boy's uh, uh, calf and come and see blood and he was the elder of the church. So, conflicts, conflict resolution. Then, ha, ah, I have, yes, okay, thank you. So, we now go on. Let's look at the issue of challenges in marriage. Thank you. Challenges. Challenges. Marriage is one thing you cannot predict. 
Number one challenge, childlessness. Number two challenge, sickness. Number three challenge, accidents. Number four challenge, deaths. Number five challenge, unemployment. Number six, unnecessary interference from in-laws. Then, infidelity issues. And the list goes on. Some people have, one of my elders I punished for five years. When I became a pastor, was an elder in our church. And he had his wedded wife. Then he went and impregnated another lady. And so, I said, okay, you know, I respect you. You are elder of the church. When you go to the family of this lady, please tell them that it was a temptation and you fell. So you are not coming to marry her. You are just coming to announce to the family that you impregnated her, their child. So you will be responsible for. You know what he went and said? He told the family that day that, Eh-eh, I've now found a wife. My other wife, when I turn left, she's pregnant. When I turn right, she's pregnant. Every time, she's pregnant. It's only now that I have found a real wife. So when he came back, I punished him for five years. And he said, do I know that he's older than me? And I told those who brought him that I'm sacking him from the church. If he doesn't stop talking like that, I will, he, uh, he is immediately dismissed. But that's it. Some women are like that. If you sleep left, they are pregnant. You sleep right, they are pregnant. If you sleep up, they are pregnant. If you sleep down, they are pregnant. Some women too are like that. So, you should prepare. You know, you plan for two children. You have five now. But the sixth is on the way. You know. What about Anna, the prophetess, in Luke chapter 2, verse 36? She got married Seven years after the marriage, the husband died. She became a widow until 84 when Jesus came. You cannot predict what will happen. Those are the challenges of marriage. Now let's take some short time to look at in-laws in marriage. I read from the news that the most hated people in America are in-laws. And I said, oh, look, there are five reasons in-laws are important. Number one, they looked after your husband or wife for you and paid school fees. Number two, their character is in that person you have married. You better respect them. Number three, they support you. The house we are living in now is my sister who gave money and bought the land for the two of us and offered to build the house. The, your, your in-laws can support you in your marriage. They can support you financially. They can support you morally. They can support you with courage. They support you. You have to work, work on that. Number four, they pray for you. And they have other ways 
by which they wield goodwill into your marriage. And when your marriage is having problems, they are the first people you fall on. So you better respect them. Otherwise, when you need them, you can't have them at post. And then number five is if they withdraw their interest in your marriage, you have a harder time climbing the mountain, the same mountain. That's it. But there are other reasons why. Your in-laws. It is true. The Bible says, Therefore shall a man leave father and mother and cleave to the wife and the two shall become one flesh. That's Genesis 2.24. But it doesn't mean when you leave them, you leave them for good. You leave them and unite, cleave together and come back to them jointly. And both of you take each of them as your father and mother. So you now have four parents and you can manage them in laws. But that brings me to love and submission in marriage. Please. The Ephesians 5.25 says, Husbands, love your wives. Colossians 3, the 18 and 19. He says, Husbands, love your wives and be not bitter against them. The love used there is the Greek word agape. Agape love is divine love. It's holy love. They didn't even say erotic love. Please, I want to be heard clear and loud. The woman Jacob loved was Rachel. He served seven years for her. And it was like a few days. That's what the Bible says. The woman he didn't want to marry ever was Leah. He was tricked. And Leah was offered to him as a wife. But Leah is the grandmother of Jesus. Not Rachel. The girl you love does not mean that is the will of God. You can love a lady, but that may not be God's will for your marriage partner. Look at Jesus Christ. He loved John the apostle, but he gave the church to Peter as head. He didn't give it to John. The person you love does, is not necessarily God's will for you to marry. And many Christians feel, oh, I don't, I don't feel any love for, I don't love, you know. Your definition of love is different from God's definition of love. You see, you are a lady, you have made up your mind that for me, I won't marry anybody who is enough now. Oh, for me, if I'm taller than any man, I won't marry, every, who should marry the short man? <laughs> and submission in marriage it's not stupidity. I will have time someday to deal with the Bible's wisdom. Why? Whenever there are two or three people, there must be an authority in exercise. This is Romans chapter 13 from verse 1 to 7. 
every authority God has set in place. Even Esau, who was a few minutes older than his brother Jacob, the time of being elder was what God gave him as a gift and he rejected. Now, I want to stop the message here. God bless you. I want to pray with you. If you are considering marriage, if you are in courtship, if you have not yet entered marriage, I would love that you put down these points and walk them through with your spouse. If you are already married, please listen to me. This, what I'm going to say is dear to my heart. In Acts chapter 13, verse 2, when the prophets and teachers in the church in Antioch were fasting and praying, the Holy Spirit said, Separate for me Barnabas and Saul for the work whereunto I have called them. It was the Holy Spirit. Verse 4 says, So they, being sent forth by the Holy Spirit. But, in Acts 15, from verse 35 to 41, Paul and Barnabas quarreled and separated. Barnabas took John Mark and Paul took Silas and they never came back as a team until death. God can call you together. Your marriage will be because you have had seven prophecies, 81 visions, three words of knowledge and 15 uh, encounters. But you can destroy the marriage yourself. Please, shall we pray? Our Father and our God, we thank you for your gift of marriage to us. We have come into your presence to examine the pillars, the subjects, the topics which matter in marriage far more than just erotic love and romantic love as portrayed I pray that every ear hearing my voice will wake up and will rise up and do something about our marriages so that Christian marriages can shine as light of the world and salt of the earth and represent you as the pillar and ground of truth in the whole universe. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. God bless you. Follow JFK Mensa Ministries on Facebook and YouTube and invite others to listen to his podcast. You can also access some of JFK Mensa's books and keep up with his ministry at www.jfkmensaministries.org God bless you.